Oh boy, it's time for some reader questions. Oh boy, any about uh, history? Uh, no. Oh, not this week. Sad. But our first one comes from Sully GT on our From the Rumble Seat comment section from last week. What is the bigger jump in talent level, Alcorn State to USF or Pitt to Clemson? So, Kate, I think you actually crunched the numbers on this one, being the economics major that you are. Oh, good. Economical engineer, actually. <laughs> I, I mean, everything is a type of engineer at Georgia Tech. You can do that. Gotta yeah, love exactly. them. Partial you can engineer some labels. Man, I wish I had my soundboard pulled up because I could play. You can do that, but I failed. We'll hook it up eventually. It'll, it'll happen. But yeah, so I did look at the numbers because the way the question was phrased, it said from a purely talent perspective, not necessarily from a how much are we willing to uh, lose by perspective <laughs> or win by perspective. Um, but actually, when I looked at it, what I did, I went back and looked at the 24-7 composite rankings for each class. So basically the average star ranking for each player in each class for Clemson, Pitt, uh, USF, and Alcorn State from 2013 to 2018, which is the past six classes. Um, and the results are that the difference between from Alcorn to USF and Pitt to Clemson is exactly the same. So uh, from Alcorn to USF, you saw a differential of 0.0475 um, recruiting points in the 247 sports rankings, and Pitt to Clemson was 0.0477. So that's just really, really impressive how close that is together. Um, for perspective, that kind of drop is the same as the number one prospect in any given class to about the number 100 prospect in that same class. So that's a huge talent disparity between both Alcorn and USF and Pitt and Clemson, but they're the same uh, discrepancy between both both those pairings. Uh, guys, can I bounce it around the league real quick and provide you some score updates you might not know about? Are they to be to be clear, they have nothing to do with northern or western Illinois and Illinois. To I be promise. to be clear, we're recording this literally the night the night after. I guess the night of the Georgia Tech South Florida game, while there are other games going the on. The may or may not have worn off. Oh, they are long <laughs> worn off. Um, but uh, there's a there's a critical game going on with our uh, Tallahassee brethren. The Tallahassee uh, brethren in the swamp, uh, in Dope Camp, the real swamp. Sorry, Tampa, you're not even trying. Uh, Samford, with 4:50 to go in the first, has a 13 to nothing lead oh, on Florida boy. State. Oh boy, Willie Taggart. Oh boy, what are you doing, my dude? Big yike. Don't miss with Birmingham. People think when you say Samford, people think you're saying Stanford all the time. So that's that's a big plus in their column. That's a good good reason why they're probably going to win this game. It's it's overlooked. Yeah. All, all exactly. the rest of the scores Same are either tied or not oh. that it are not that exciting. But uh, this one's a yikes. Dude, Florida State is, might not be good. What is the Breaking what is in the water in Tallahassee? I don't know. I'll probably find out in lead. February. If I had to guess based on the actions of their football team, I, I would say lead. <laughs> well, I mean, Willie said he brings them together and they sing Kumbaya before every meal. Sounds basically. like the Cumberland coach. Honestly, we're going to sit in a circle because the game is too violent. You know what happens next? You lose 222 to nothing when you play Clemson. But, yeah. All right, my timeout's over. Illinois All right. in Western Illinois, so all's good. All right, back to our Ask Scions question. So, bigger jump in talent level, Alcorn State USF or Pitt to Clemson seat. Where I fall on this is if you just look at it, not from a number standpoint, from just kind of a logic-y standpoint, 
it's definitely it's Alcorn State to USF because USF is in a diff is, is in an entirely different recruiting pool in terms of the players available to them uh, than Alcorn State. Alcorn State is an FCS HBCU. It's a smaller school. I think someone said that the in the middle of nowhere Mississippi. in the middle of nowhere Mississippi where the enrollment is more than the population of the city yeah, that it's they have in less alligators and so it's hard to, if you're a college football coach a college football coach at at Alcorn State it's harder to to draw attention and draw recruits to your school than it would be at USF where we know Willie Taggart has had a lot of success recruiting. In, in last year, and then Charlie Strong now, he's had success recruiting from the Tampa area and from the and from South Florida. Yeah. He's got, definitely got the talent pool to recruit from in South Florida. But it's still really surprising to me that those numbers are so close just because of the disparity in the line for these games, these four games. <coughs> we were 41.5 points over Alcorn State. 41.5-point favorites over Alcorn State. And then this week, we were three-point favorites over USF. So that's a difference of 38.5 points. And I figured the line with Pitt next week will be pretty close. We might be underdogs by a field goal or so. But then when we play Clemson, we'll probably be two touchdown underdogs, maybe 17-point underdogs. Even at home. But, yeah, even at home. The difference is just much, much less in points from Pitt to Clemson than it is in Alcorn State to USF. So it's really surprising that the 24-7 numbers are so, so similar, to me at least. I, it's just when I think about it, this is a really good question, by the way, from Sully. But the, when I think about it, it's it, it's entirely those recruiting pools for me. Yeah. It's just the quality of talent. If, if Pat Narduzzi spent a lot less time complaining about, uh, about our text blocking scheme and a lot more time invested into recruiting, Pitt could, Pitt could compete, and, uh, compete at recruiting with Clemson. This whole season, I've been more scared of Pitt than USF. So I think it's a, it's weird how, like, I, I don't think it goes Alcorn State, USF, same size gap, Pitt, same guy, same size gap, Clemson, just because it's AAC to ACC. Like, I, I think Pitt and, Pitt and USF are not that far apart themselves. So yep. uh, Yeah, you're right. They're, Pitt and USF are not far apart at all. Um, very, very marginally, very, very marginally different. But I will take exception to... The fact that you said Pitt could catch up to Clemson in recruiting? Oh no 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 no! no, 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 no. I, I, I'm not implying that. that. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, that is a very hot take. I'm saying that. Whew, I didn't even hear that. I mean, I'm saying that. They, but there is the maybe not like the high likelihood, but there is at least no, the remote possibility. There is not. There's no <laughs> just, there's because, not. just because oh, my, re- until Pop Warner climbs out of his grave and starts coaching Pittsburgh again. There's no way they catch the fight in Dabo's out. No, no, it's not, not that they chance. catch them. It's that they have access to the same recruiting pool. The I mean, same everyone pool has They play in a half-empty NFL stadium. They don't own their own stadium. Look at all that white. Like, we, we have the well, game. Yeah, we, we have, have the game on right we now. Have, we, we have, have Pitt Penn. versus Penn State on right now. That stadium is white. It's not yellow. It's not that weird gold that they switched to a couple years ago instead of yellow. It's white. Like, that's not, that's not Pittsburgh. Penn State it's, white. But. It's Penn State fans who live in Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh doesn't turn out to support their team in the same way Clemson does, and they don't have that same buy-in from the rest of their school like Clemson does. The atmosphere when Georgia Tech goes up to Pittsburgh next week will probably be eerily similar to the one we encountered today at Raymond James down here. It was, it was 50-50. Yeah, yeah it was I 50/50 would 50/50 honestly say it was 50-50. It, I mean, 
There was not a soul in the upper deck, that's for sure. I mean, it was... Raymond James is, what, 66K total capacity? They had basically roped off the upper tiers. They they announced 35K today, but there were no more than 20,000 in the stadium. Yeah, it it was pretty sparse. It was hot. There was four rows that were empty at the 50-yard line. Like, that's... That's not ideal. It was hot. I was in buckets. Yeah. But... Oh boy. All right. Let's move on to the next question from at Patrick underscore chat. If your head coach, and I and this is something we t- touched on earlier, if your head coach, Paul Johnson, do you keep quarterback Tobias Oliver in at, during the third quarter after he scored 21 points, or do you bring back Taquan Marshall like as what happened? You know, I... Definitely someone, you know, player loyalty is great. Player coach loyalty is great. And that makes Paul a great person for putting Taquan back in and trusting him with the offense. But you got to go with a guy that has the hot hand. The Tobias Oliver has led three straight scoring drives. USF is having trouble adjusting to the way that he's running the offense. And the simplification of the playbook under Oliver, I think you just got to keep going I, with Oliver in that I, case. I think... But we don't know how to, uh, Tobias Oliver's passing is going to look. That's fair. Taquan Marshall's passing today, except for after he got injured. If you if you discount the like weird floaty interception thing and the desperation heaves in the first half, his passing looked pretty darn good. He was he was hitting a lot of his throws. He's he putting he them pretty on hit the money. Clinton Lynch pretty much in stride. I mean, yeah. there was that one where Quay Cersei parked out on the flats and just was like, "Give it to me!" But like he still made that pass right at the numbers. But we can't discount that, though, because we're talking about Tobias Oliver and whether he should have come back in. And like you said, his, his passing changed and it wasn't nearly as good at the very end of that game after he came back in with that injury. So, I mean, to go back to the question of, of if I would keep Tobias Oliver in, I absolutely would. Um, there's just It's hard for me to imagine him being that bad of a passer that it would justify giving away all the momentum that we had. Uh, and I just, coming out of high school, he was regarded as probably a better passer purely than Taquan Marshall was coming out of high school. Uh, that doesn't mean they have the confidence of the coaching staff by any means, but I, w- I would keep him in every single time. Let me take the opposite stance for a minute and say that... Oh boy, oh yeah. boy, he's playing devil's advocate. Uh-oh. I would I would have brought back Taquan Marshall just as coach Paul Johnson did. And the reason is that, you know, you, you have Oliver out there for three drives. He scores three touchdowns, but it's three drives. It's a very, very small sample size. And considering that Marshall started the entire year last year and the first two games this year, it's very clear to me that the coaching staff sees that they have a better chance of winning a game with Marshall playing quarterback than with Oliver playing quarterback. They can open up the playbook more. They feel comfortable throwing whether Marshall's going to hit the throws or not. They've got more things they can do running the ball. <clears throat> and overall, it just seems like the estimated points per drive, if we break it down all the way to that, is more when Marshall's in there, at least according to the coaching staff, than it is with Oliver in there. So I think what they were doing by putting Taquan back in there was saying – you give us the best chance to win this game when it gets close here in the fourth quarter. A better chance than Oliver does. I I just struggle with that a lot because we it's not even like it's a hypothetical or anything. We just saw that it was not a good choice to bring him back in when he was injured. 
Um, I mean, he started all of last year, but I wouldn't describe there as being a huge wealth of options behind him to start. Uh, and Tobias Oliver was certainly not one of them because Paul Johnson doesn't play true freshman quarterbacks pretty much at all. Uh, but it's just it's hard for me to reconcile how successful he had been, even if it is a small sample size. The sample size Taquan Marshall's had this year is incredibly small also. And Tobias Oliver did come in and lead successful drives against Alcorn State in, in week one. So it's uh, going three for three is hard to call a fluke, especially when it's, when it's a system like we run where it's so quarterback dependent all the time. To be fair, I'm not entirely convinced one way or the other on the point. I still lean towards Taquan Marshall. We discussed this on, earlier on the way to dinner, but I think that a lot of us who see Taquan Marshall, if he wouldn't have had that Tennessee game be as spectacular as it was in our first introduction to this kid, like every everybody thought he was like the next coming of... And we call him a kid, even though he's is se- a graduating senior this year. I mean, but he's our peer, I guess, at this point, but... He birds around on campus. He's already he's, he's, a, he's a millennial. Um, you should have another year of eligibility. I'm still mad. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't have had a second hot dog at Portillo's. I'm still mad. But anyways, <laughs> but anyways, I feel like if you take out that Tennessee game or you move that Tennessee game to later in the year where it's just some fluke in this Taquan Marshall being this Taquan Marshall level. experience. Exactly. We started off at this high, and we're all expecting Taquan to get back to that. Or some part of the fan base is saying, like, look, this should be Taquan. But th- there's no way we're going to get that every game. We, he can have great games, and he played well, especially in the first quarter. He had a good game. Doesn't really disprove the Tobias Oliver thing, but it doesn't mean he's a bad quarterback or a bad option for running the offense either. I, I mean, but we've seen a whole year with him, and it, and it was a year where you went 4-7, and seven, and in a year you shouldn't have gone 4-7. and seven. So I'm just struggling to... It feels like people don't want to consider making changes because just because someone's an incumbent doesn't necessarily mean I don't think they're the best one for the job still. They definitely should have the upper hand in keeping the job. But I think him at A-back and Tobias at quarterback would be really scary. Seeing, seeing Taquan call his own number, I don't know. I, I think the best... You can even work some trick plays into that, too. I think the best alignment might be what we were talking about earlier, where Taquan is the starter, but Tobias is playing as the, the Tim Byerly type, short-yarded situation, pound. Like, the Matthew Jordan. Yeah, the Matthew Jordan, the, the, the Tim Byerly type in the red zone. I, I think that kind of gives you the same sort of razzle-dazzle, one-two punch that you had in 2014, while still maintaining and 2016 for that matter and 2016, but still maintaining the same level of, I think the same level of effectiveness for both quarterbacks and playing to both of their strengths. We've seen Tobias Oliver be at his best in this game, on those three drives with the QB follow in the red at, zone that plays in the red zone, where he he was unstoppable. Maybe I mean maybe it's it's. Uh, USF not having game plan for him or whatever, but it's still he he wasn't able to be stopped. But but Taquan was also like Jake was saying he's hitting his throws. Uh, he, he was hitting his throws all through the first half and before he got hurt. So balancing him that way, I think, is the best way to utilize both of them. And it allows Tobias of, to grow still, even if he's not the starter. Yeah, and I mean he's going to be around next season too. Taquan graduates and Tobias is still here. So I don't I don't think. Tobias Oliver fits the 
Matthew Jordan archetype at all. I mean, I, I don't think the strengths of his game are at all the types of things that we saw from Matthew Jordan, who was like Mr. Fundamental, guy you could trust to run plays effectively, even though you didn't want to open up the whole playbook for him. But uh, Tobias Oliver is not a strength guy. I think Taquan Marshall is more of a strong bulldozer type guy that you would want on the goal line as opposed to Tobias Oliver. I mean, we've seen the only times we've really seen him struggle is on the goal line, in my opinion, because he we had the, uh, the full four downs played against Alcorn State with Tobias on the goal line that ended in turnover on downs. And then we also had in this game, I think he had to convert a fourth down for a touchdown um, on the goal line. So I don't, I mean, it I took just, him three plays to go that last yard. Didn't yeah, they? I just, I don't, I'm not sure I see how that's his strength at all because he's just, he's a shifty guy. He's a really fast guy, even though he is pretty tall. But it's, I just, I don't see that as a strength for him. I don't know. As we'll see, that kind of leads into our look ahead for next week at Pitt. We were kind of talking about the line for this game being about a field goal in Pitt's favor. What does Tech need to do to make sure they come out of Heinz Field with a victory? I, I don't want to say everything, but everything. <laughs> I mean, we've, we just talked about a whole bunch of things that went wrong in this game against a team in, in South Florida that you pretty certainly should have beaten, um, especially after you go for 600 yards. I mean, you could make the argument that South Florida's offense is probably better than Pitt's offense. I don't think you can make the same argument about their defense. But you've got to make tackles on defense, or you're just, you're just going to keep losing games. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that are going to need to change to come out of Pitt with a win next week. But for me, it has to start with tackling on defense yeah, and definitely. getting pressure on the quarterback. If we give up 49 points, doesn't matter how they end up on the scoreboard. You're, you're not going to give yourself a great chance to win. <clears throat> and the secondary has got to do a good job of guarding their man. And especially that game next week is going to be a great test for the front seven of this 3-4 defense because Quadre Allison is a very experienced running back they've got at Pitt. And they've got a guy in Darren Hall behind him who's got experience too at running back. And they're both big and very physical. And so our... 3-4 front seven that's probably a little undersized to run the 3-4 is really going to get tested in how they can get off the ball because I wasn't real impressed with what I saw today. And then, and we're looking at this Penn State pit game right now. and Pitt is, Pitt is challenging Penn State. Pitt's yeah. giving them for a run for their money. They're very physical. And, we, and this is a game we expected Penn State to come in and dominate. They did just get that late uh, touchdown, so it's a little... And the rain... The rain always mutes things, but uh, I'm I'm waiting to see what the second half looks like. I'm not convinced that Pitt is giving Penn State quite the challenge we I think mean, they have there. How sure are we that Penn State's any good? I mean, this is the team that went to overtime with App State last week. Uh, App State, App State, I think is having it going to have a good year. I mean, they could have a good year, but Penn State's number thirteen in the country. I, that's not good year for FCS. Is not you know going to overtime with the top. App State's, they were top App State's no. Sun Belt though. Fun oh, belt, yeah, man. you're right. They are Sunbelt. State's Sunbelt. Fun Playing Georgia Southern. Good Georgia season State. for Sunbelt is not going to overtime with the top 15 teams in the country. I don't know. Somebody in Heinz Field's going to have to call a good groundskeeper because that field looks disgusting. I just hope it's oh, playable yeah. by the time That looks there. nasty. And I, I, are the Steelers at home this weekend, too? I would hope oh, not. That sure. will mean the games tomorrow. Oh, that, oh, that turf is going to be 
nasty tomorrow. There's no uh, way they yeah, play yeah. a home game tomorrow. They oh, they might. They I mean, I'll look it up. We'll see. Oh, I asked Siri, but Siri's tired. I asked her a lot of things. So. All right. Well. No way. Don't don't go on to the next thing. You know very well that we have one more question. Do we? And that you're trying to dodge giving real advice to real people. Oh boy. So. Oh boy. Oh god. They're playing in Cleveland hey. for the record. Oh, that's. Well, oh, that, uh, that field but still doesn't look good. Anyway, we do have one question, and I apologize to this listener for their disrespect of uh, But this is a question from John Edwards on on Twitter. Uh, thank you for trusting us with this question, but why did my wife leave me? <laughs> well, we discussed this at great length before we started recording, and, and Mr. John Edwards, your name is John Edwards, and you're asking me why you were having marital issues. John Edwards. Um, so the question is, why did my wife leave me? Asked by John Edwards. Who should probably look at his birth certificate and realize that he, his wife left him because his name is John Edwards. Um, that is why, John. Can Anything we talk about the the, uh, the wonderful atmosphere of USF really quick before we move on to these prop bets? Um, the enjoyable uh, fans whom we interacted with. Oh my God, that is one of the worst... Worst away experiences that I think I have ever had. Down in front. Down in front, Akshay. S- sit down. You're at a football game. Don't you know you should be quiet and clap quietly? No, you're allowed to stand when they stand. Uh, when something happens. Yeah, who they is remains a mystery because uh, it could be one person across the stadium. Or it could be everybody in the it stadium. It could be Buzz. For those, for those at home, let me, let me give you some background. We were approached today uh, sitting in the stadium by a security guard and then by a police officer. And told that we needed to sit down because the people behind us couldn't see. The only problem being, the reason we were standing was the South Florida fans in front of us were also standing, and if we had sat down, we would not have been able to see. And then for we the all record, for the record, the people behind us were tech fans or USF fans who just liked to stand and told us they enjoyed standing. So we really, we really it was lost very on that confusing. One. Yeah, it was very confusing. Yeah. Those two were very nice South Florida fans. Oh, yeah. Fill in the blank on the rest of them. But. Yep. Oh, boy. Yeah. Let's move right into our newest segment, Paul's Big Balls Call of the Week. All right, Ethan, what do you got for me? Oh, uh, to lead it off, we've got the Battle of the USF Knights versus the UNC Tar Heels. UNC invaded the... Scary atmosphere of Dowdy Ficklin Stadium filled with about 5,000 purple-clad ECU fans. <laughs> this is an ECU team coming off of a loss to FCS NCANT in their own building last week. This week, <laughs> instead of welcoming in NCANT, they welcome in the big team from Chapel Hill and UNC and proceed to blast them by oh. 22 points <laughs> and send them back to Chapel Hill two days after UNC head coach Larry Fedora said that he did not recall the 2014 hey, hey, game. Noted, noted neurologist Larry noted Fedora. Noted neurologist Larry Fedora did not recall the 2014 game in Dowdy Ficklin where his team got handed a 70-41 to 41 loss. They put up 70 in that game? Yeah, they, they, they got 70 dumped on them in 2014, so uh. they didn't have that today. But, okay, yes, Jake? Uh, Dowdy Ficklin apparently is the third largest college stadium in North Carolina and holds 50,000. So you're telling me that only 10% of the seats were That's filled exactly for what this I'm huge saying. rivalry game? That's exactly huge what I'm game. saying. 
And the reason Daddy Ficklin sees 50,000 is because there's not a damn thing to do in Eastern North Carolina. <laughs> it's like going to ECU for the ball game. If you think I'm kidding, go see. <laughs> all right, all right. Who do you got? Okay, so in the battle next – yeah, I've seen a few of those there too. In the battle next weekend of the team who cheated us out of a game last year in 2017 – Versus the team who cheats their athletes out of quality education. <laughs> I'll take the team who cheated us out of a game to cover a spread that we here at Sons of the Southland estimated about two touchdowns or so. All right, all right. Cade, Cade what do you got? Uh, I ran some numbers, and uh, some big numbers, some huge numbers. And what I found was that my pick of the week is going to be what I'm going to call from here on out the whiteout. Um, <laughs> and it has nothing to has nothing to do with the color they'll be wearing in the state. Well, maybe it does. I don't know what they're going to wear in Wisconsin, but BYU it might be Wisconsin. snowing at this point. BYU Wisconsin. Well, I don't think they have that much dandruff. But BYU <laughs> Wisconsin. Um, that's the whiteout. Uh, I have no idea what the line will be. Wisconsin's number five, and BYU is something else. But um, <laughs> quarterback Tanner Mangum for BYU going to lead them to not a victory, but I, I like them. I set my personal line at uh, Wisconsin by 20 and a half, and I think I'm going to take BYU on that just because uh, I watched them beat Georgia Tech mercilessly a couple of times. And also other players are like 30 years old. So. You never underestimate a man on mission. Yes. Man on mission. All right, Jake, what do you got? All right, I got a USF visiting beautiful Memorial Stadium in Champaign-Urbana. Oh, uh, the Chicago's coming back out. Oh, no, no, no. no. Them corn people are way different than us. And we got the swamp people back out. We we have another bout with the swamp people. And I think that this underdog uh, that everybody's going to say is an underdog um, is going to... uh, Return two kicks for touchdowns in the first half. Uh, and win the game by 11. What is this line you've given me? Illinois yeah. by 11? <laughs> I'll have you know, I'll have you know, right now, the University of Illinois fighting Illini are beating Western Illinois. Noted powerhouse, by the way. You know Noted seven, powerhouse 17 17-7 in the third quarter. And, and... They have the most exciting four minutes in college athletics. The pregame show put on by the marching band, which obviously... For the record, Jake help. Grant pegged the line for this game at Illinois by <laughs> <laughs> And let me just say, I would be surprised if they have at UCF less than 11 Oh, hold on, hold on. I would be surprised if Illinois scores 11 points in this game. <laughs> Yeah. So All right. Just, I'm, that's beyond my Sometimes mind. you gotta meet, bro. You know how decimals work, right? Like that was not supposed to be 1.5 or like 0.115. No. <laughs> no. Eleven and a half. Illinois is not gonna be favored in that game. That's oh my, my no, game. absolutely not. All right. I love you. Love you. That's wow. a that's a personal problem. You should get that checked out. Anyway, <laughs> so my. To finish off, my Big Balls Call of the Week is going to be Rutgers at Kansas. <laughs> All right, bro, but hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. That does not deserve airtime on this <laughs> no, 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 no. Hold on. I'm not going to talk about the, the spread of the game because this is going to be a dumpster fire. Uh, we looked up how much it costs to get in the door at, what is it, Kansas Memorial Stadium. Something like that. They, they need a memorial at that stadium for Kansas. Oh, well, that's yeah. That's a topic for another day. It's nine bucks. 
It is nine bucks to get a seat to this game, and I will take the under. It is going well, at kickoff, kickoff. It is going to be less than nine dollars to get into Kansas Memorial Stadium you, to watch Rutgers versus you Kansas. You can pay me nine dollars to go watch that. I might just watch that on TV just to see no. what happens. You know their issue is not they, worth your time. They can't fill their stadium, and the reason they can't fill their stadium is because they fired Charlie Weiss, and he, <laughs> he used to fill at least half of it. So that's. I mean, that's like. They shouldn't have done that. They struggled to replace that. He that was always guarding the pot of gold at the end of the uh, Irish uh, rainbow over there in South Bend. Isn't he still making money He's off making of Notre money Dame? Not only from Kansas, Notre Dame is still paying that man, too. I think his son's coaching somewhere, too, which is truly a miracle. No, no, he's, he's, at, uh, he's at FAU. Oh, I'm pretty sure he wants the offense at FAU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, All aboard the lane train. Except baby. that lane train what's, got derailed. What's the over-under on uh, Joey oh. Freshwater co-ed oh, this year? Yeah, <laughs> All right, no, no, we're not going we're not there. Go into lane we, are a, we are a family-friendly podcast here. Oh, boy. Yeah. All right, we've gotten into a lot of hijinks today, but I think that about wraps it up. Wraps it up from from Tampa, Florida. Jay Grant, where can they find you online? They can find me killing some alligators and at CanOBean on Twitter. All right, Cade, where can they find you? Uh, they don't need to find me. I'm about to go on some hiatus from this social media stuff because there are people bumming me out online. <laughs> you can find him at FDRS Cade hey, on I'm Twitter. Not <laughs> and and this, also, this Twitter handle is censored. And also, FDRS blog. Uh, either where can they find you? Also, if your wife left you, please let us know. <laughs> we'll tell you exactly why. So we're just considering hit us up starting a second show. podcast dealing with relationship drama. So if you'd like to drama aired, be sure to let us know. We oh, might we me. might be able to get a question by the big boss on that one. <laughs> yeah. Whoopi Goldberg. I also do the tweets. You can find me at Ethan underscore Kreger. My name is in the header. So check me out. I promise I'm not a big bad boy. Okay <laughs> <K> here. <laughs> Are you? You're the one that's quitting Twitter over over this game. <laughs> you well, can also find us Mondays game. and Wednesdays at Chick Fil A at eleven. You can find Jake Grant at the uh, Georgia Tech Student Center Chick Fil A most days at around lunchtime or dinner time, <laughs> or both. <laughs> all right, uh, and I I'm not on Twitter, but all my articles come through uh, FTRS blog, so find me there. Uh, and with that, that wraps up another episode of A Science of the Southland, and we will see you next time on the flats. Peace out.